G'day, I'm Josh Liston. Welcome back to Deadset Podcasting. Today's episode, seven things I got right in my first year of podcasting. The show we're talking about was my very first show, DIY Music Movement, which was a music marketing show from the perspective of someone that was still actually in a band and was still trying to do stuff. So not a retired musician and not an author that's never really been in a band, but just happened to have an interest in music. So it was right from the trenches. In the previous episode, I talked about a lot of the things I got wrong when I started that show, which there were plenty of. But there were some things that I got right, some through learning quickly, what worked and what didn't, and some, in retrospect, I just got right by accident, to be honest. There wasn't a whole lot of skill behind it. I can just see, looking back, that uh, that's something that, for some reason, I got that thing right, and I've carried that forward into other shows. So, seven things I got right in my first year of podcasting. You're listening to Dead Set Podcasting with your host, Josh Liston. This is a show dedicated to podcasting in Australia, New Zealand, and Southeast Asia. Follow along with today's episode over at deadsetpodcasting.com. Okay, here we go. Number one. I'm actually recording the body of today's episode on a slightly different setup to what you would have heard in the intro. I'm actually running an RE20 microphone on a stand into an iRig Pre-HD and then into the Backpack Studio app for iOS. So I've disabled most of the automatic features in Backpack, but I am, I think, running the compression setting that they have that's in there, and I'm recording at whatever the maximum quality level is. So you'll probably notice a slightly rawer sound but this is more like what I sound like in person, and this isn't a broadcast FM radio show. So I like the idea of mixing up different bits of equipment over the course of Deadset Podcasting for you guys to realise that the intro was recorded with the same mic into a DBX, into an Audient ID14 interface, into my iMac, and into Audition. It's a pretty expensive way to do it compared to microphone to little preamp to iPhone. So there's multiple ways you can get a good sound as long as the microphone you choose is suitable for the conditions. The room you're in isn't horrible because environmentals impact the sound maybe more than anything, to be honest, as far as the horrible side of things. And your phone has enough battery and you remember to put it on aeroplane mode. That's key, because sometimes when you get calls and different things during a recording, that's not a good thing. Right out. So number one, I invested in good album art, which cost me a pretty penny at the time, from an artist friend, Tristan Tate. So I, I paid, I think, $150 in 2011 for some really cool artwork. Basically, it said DIY music movement but the artwork itself looked like a really detailed, expensive tattoo design. If anything, it might have been a little too detailed for a thumbnail size image if I was in a different genre where the iconography of a tattoo-style design wasn't so simpatico, I guess, with the audience. So those two things worked. 
because the audience that was looking for a music marketing podcast that was done by an actual musician, not an author or someone that's in marketing, they recognized the design as something that showed an understanding of the culture of actually being in a guitar rock band or a metal band or a prog rock or punk band, which is what I was talking about primarily. So number two, I spent a lot of time on every episode of DIY Music Movement. Sad to say, probably more than I've spent on a lot of other shows since. And the results spoke for themselves. The work I was putting in made it worthwhile for the people listening. Because I guess I was spending maybe four or five hours in prep per episode on top of the blogs, books and my own experience in a band, which was probably another 10 to 20 hours a week of in the trenches research into how it is being in a band and managing a band and being the primary songwriter. So I think that the minute to minute value of the show for the listener was actually decent because of the prep so number three i jumped into new tools that helped my production before they were proven so that might sound counterintuitive normally you want to let something establish itself whether it's a new version of windows 10 or the latest version of audacity for the mac which at the time of this recording isn't behaving all that well on catalina which is the most recent version of the operating system for Mac. Those two things aren't playing all that well. What I'm getting at is I looked beyond the standard advice for things like use Levelator is what I heard a lot. I thought, why why use Levelator when there's this crazy genius in Austria that's producing this thing called Orphonic and it might not have the tick of approval from the old school North American podcast set right at the moment but I'm going to give this a go and although it was frustrating at the time because it only existed as an online platform a pretty bandwidth intensive exercise to upload a WAV file and get back another WAV file or mp3 depending on how you decided to encode the file the amount of sound improvement that gave me when I had literally no knowledge of how to do that stuff myself or the budget to buy the tools that was a big thing And I think it was just because I got on there early, I was able to grow with the features of the product, which continued to expand and improve over time. Unlike jumping into a fully established product where the features are kind of set and they've been set by the preferences of hundreds or thousands of other people before you get to the product, it might not do things the way you want it to or it might not present them in a simple way that you can understand. So I would advise take a risk on a few bits of technology or platforms or whatever and just see how they are. Another one for me was I got on the SoundCloud Pro bandwagon early and not as a media host, but I used it as a secondary platform. And I'd heard about how it's useless. You pay $16. Well, that was Australian. I guess $9 US a month at the time. It's useless, I don't get any downloads. If you're not producing a SoundCloud-appropriate show, which traditionally would be music-oriented, why would you think you would get a result out of that? That's not a failure of the platform. That's a failure of your understanding of the platform. Number four. 
I started interviewing people well before I was ready, in retrospect. So what did that mean? It meant that I didn't waste hundreds of hours of my time learning how to interview, getting interview tips, doing interview courses. I learned it all in the trenches. And now, on my shows that I do now, eight years and several hundred interviews later, I'm pretty good at it. And I think there's a fascination in podcasting with skipping steps. Like, how do I get from here to there without any pain? Like, that's like saying, how do I go from overweight to Arnold Schwarzenegger at 30 years old without going to the gym? You can speed the process up. You know, better nutrition, better understanding of supplements, or in the specific case of podcasting, understanding going to YouTube for things like how do I edit faster? How do I run a Skype call more efficiently? How do I configure a router or my Wi-Fi or whatever so I don't drop packets? They're things you can learn. But if you're face-to-face or voice-to-voice over phone or internet with another human being, I don't think there's a way to get good at that unless you do it a lot. Here's something that it took me years to learn. The pace at which my brain can move from one idea to the next, to another topic, while keeping something else in my head, thinking I'm going to come back around to it. It took me a long time to realise that that's not how a lot of people's brains work, where you just jump from here to here to here to here to here with a sense of confidence that you're going to get back to the main point. It took me at least two years to realise that you need to slow down, you need to present a clear question have one question in the question, not five. Fight the feeling of dropping mini questions in the middle of the big question. I couldn't have learned any of that if I didn't start. So stop wasting your time if you are studying interviewing. Unless it's listening to great interviewers and then thinking, oh, I could do that and that. I love how they do that. I'm not sure if I feel like that. So how does that all relate to me and starting early? It's as simple as, if I had have done my normal thing, which is to research everything for 8 billion hours before I actually did anything, I would have been 12 months further behind in my development as a podcaster and as an interviewer. So here's the thing. Some of the mistakes you're going to make are inevitable because no plan survives when it touches the real world in the fashion that it was designed. You just can't help but make mistakes. That old adage of learn from other people's mistakes, that's only intellectual. You can understand the mistake. But until you feel it in your guts, when a solo podcast is going off the rails, or if you sit down to record and you feel terrible about something, or if the guest is sitting in the same room as you, and they're giving you nothing, and you've got to find a way to get out of that and negotiate that situation... Start sooner rather than later. Because getting back to the gym analogy, the early pain of lifting weights, which I know for me at the moment, is a reason why I haven't been. I know that it's going to hurt while I'm there and for days afterwards, for weeks, could be months, I'm so out of shape at the moment. So I need to apply this same mindset to parts of my life. Stop thinking about it and start doing it 
because the pain's going to be there regardless how quote-unquote ready you are. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing. Okay, number five. I managed somehow, looking back, (laughs) to... And this is going to be weird for people who know me. I'm not the most excitable person in the world. I shared my music failures in a way that didn't bum people out. And that goes back to my the preparation that I did. I'd already kind of dealt with the negative emotions of what I was talking about, if there were any, once at least before I came to record. So I had a little bit of a feeling as to when I get to this part of this story where our record label screwed us or, or we were on our fifth drummer in the space of 18 months, how frustrating that was. I'd already dealt with most of the negative side of the emotion and I'd already found the lesson if there was a lesson in the material that I'd already figured out so it allowed me to present the case for this might sound like a negative story but there's a lesson here number six this was something technical that I figured out purely from frustration and that's why I think sometimes People need to do more of the early part of podcasting themselves. There's things you can't learn or teach yourself without going through the pain. And for me, it was editing out my own crutch words, which I had a lot of at the time and didn't realize. And even more so, editing those speech disfluencies out of my guess, which some had lots of. So just through the frustration of having to edit so much of that stuff. I basically stopped using crutch words myself. And once again, that was a lesson learnt from pain and frustration of, A, Josh, you have more of these things than you probably thought you did. And B, a lot of your guests have speech disfluencies and you're the one who has to deal with all that. So to cut down on the workload... Why don't you go fix yourself? And I'm not sure how you learn that lesson if you're not doing any of the editing yourself because you never hear the raw version of your own speech if someone else is doing the editing. So at the very least, what I would do is I would ask my editor to basically just send me a leveled raw file back every once in a while of an episode before any of the finer editing is done just to have an idea of how do I come across in my raw form if you're finding yourself distracted by the heavy amount of ums and ahs and likes and you knows from a guest if you happen to do that a lot yourself they're probably feeling the same way what's going on here I don't know what's happening That can be going through the head of your guest if you have a lot of these speech problems. So that's probably non-traditional advice and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that disagree with that. But that's what I'm putting out there as a solution. Air check yourself in a raw form every once in a while to make sure you're improving. Number seven. This is a more philosophical point. And this is one of the ones that I think I did by accident. 
because I put so much preparation into each episode and I thought about each point I wanted to make, and they were stories from my real life, predominantly. As a failed musician, I guess, someone who wanted to be a touring musician but never made it. I believed 100% that the lessons in the material that I wanted to present would help people. I'd figured out what was truth and what was BS before it made it to the microphone. So even if my point was contrarian, I believed it, that what I was presenting would help people. So whether it did or it didn't, that's a different argument. But I was presenting what I thought was a truthful case of how to be in a guitar band when most stuff's not working right. So we'll finish up today with a bonus. I left behind the live-to-drive ethos that I started with and I started to edit more heavily, both on the production side of things but also for content. So cutting out a lot of the ums, ahs, likes, you knows, really long gaps, etc. That helped because I made my guests sound better. I edited more and I got more downloads. That's what it comes down to. So check the show notes, deadsetpodcasting.com slash two for today's episode. If you want to go back to episode one, if you haven't listened to that yet, that was seven things I got really wrong. And that's probably a little bit more interesting than today, to be honest. Less applicable because there are more personal failures. But if you think your first 12 months is going poorly, just check mine out and I'm sure you'll have a new confidence about yourself. Okay. At DeadsetPod on Twitter and Instagram. And just to play shill for myself for the next 30 seconds, if you want your podcast edited, cleaned up, leveled to industry standard, deadsetpodcasting.com slash services and your show will be edited by yours truly. So I can guarantee you that a lot of work and a lot of attention and love and care will go into each and every audio project that we do together. deadsetpodcasting.com slash services. Okay, my name's Josh. Go do some podcasting and good luck for the week and I'll talk to you soon.